I was looking at how sometimes like you get really like depressed and you're going into the, like, you know, what the hell am I doing here? And then I'm like, you know, I'm having such a hard time to be with myself and other people have to put up with me. Right. And I was like, I have to think anybody who is willing to spend more time with me. Right. Because they have to put up with me, you know. And it was really such a big revelation to me that how much I can make people actually suffer and how much uh, it's really incredible work from the side of people around me to have a harmonious uh, relationship. Yeji Hasselbauer, Gita Pope's name, began training with the Quantum School of Zen in Prague in 1999. Over the years, he's lived and worked in Zen centers around the world, participating in daily Zen training and many long retreats. Much of his training took place at the Providence Zen Center, where he served as abbot before returning to the Czech Republic. He is currently the guiding teacher of the Czech Republic Sangha for the Quantum School of Zen, which includes nine Zen centers and groups. You are listening to Sit Breathe Bow, a podcast for practitioners. Each week, leading Buddhist teachers share life experiences and insights to help guide your meditation practice as well as your life off of the cushion. I am your host, Ian White Marr. This podcast is sponsored by the Quantum Online Sangha, a virtual Zen practice community of the International Quantum School of Zen. Members of the Online Sangha meditate together, study with teachers, and participate in workshops and courses to develop their practice. Listeners of this podcast are invited to try a free month of training, which includes live Q&A interviews with Zen teachers, discounts on webinars and online classes, and access to a private community where students can discuss their practice and receive guidance. To access your free month of training, simply visit quantumzenonline.org and click on the free trial membership button on the homepage. Now, George, most of us know you as George, um, mm-hmm. although your, your birth name is Yiri, which I totally, yes, I'm so <laughs> bad at it, but I, I know you as George. And I, I met you years ago when you were working at the Providence Zen Center. Um, and how long did you live there, live and train at the Providence Zen Center, where you were also abbot there as well? I was kind of coming and going, but that period lasted about 11 years. When I think about you, I think of you as somebody who is really involved in residential living, like training on a residential level. And I don't know, you know how accurate that is or that's just kind of my impression of you <laughs> as like, cause I, you, you, you were in a, a center in, in Vrajna now that I think is similar in its idea to, to Providence and center sort of residential. Is that correct? Or. Yeah. The, at least the idea is mm-hmm. the same. Uh, and the Providence and center is bigger and well-established Zen center. Mm-hmm. While this one is still a construction site where we, <laughs> in the same time, live, practice, and uh, run retreats. So is there something about community life that really draws you? Or how did you get to this point? 
I think there is few things. Uh, I, I I always liked people. <laughs> that was always something I really enjoyed. Uh, when before I start practicing, I, I when there was a party, I was always trying to get as many people. And not that I wanted a big party; I just wanted a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and when I read the Buddhist stories, right when when uh, Buddha is talking about Sangha and the importance of it, and then uh, you uh, you read the Desan Sanyim's books, and uh, he's always talking about the Zen Center and how important the life in the Zen Center is. So for me, it was kind of like, yeah, these guys, which seem like, like real authorities, mm-hmm. uh, keep repeating, you know, life together is really important. Practice together is really important. So from the very beginning, I wanted to live in a Zen Center. Right. I can say uh, there's, a, there's this one story which uh, uh, is like my very first encounter with Quantum School of Zen. Uh, you know, I I lived in Israel for a few months uh, in the desert, and uh, there I discovered Zen. <laughs> and wait, in the uh, desert of Israel, you discovered Zen? Yes, I I had the, I had a book with me. Uh, I had actually multiple books, but one of the books was uh, the Samsanyin book, uh, Dropping Ashes on the Buddha. And I really, really liked the teaching. And huh. as I'm a slow, slow reader, when I got to the last page, there was an address for the Prague Zen Center. What? <laughs> or Prague Group. Yeah. I kind of thought it is just a book which was translated into the Czech, but I had no idea there is an actual practicing community. So I was, I was on my way to Asia to find some spiritual teacher, and I find out there is a practicing community <laughs> in Czech Republic. So I turned around and came back. That's hilarious. Wait, so wait, you were reading Dropping Ashes of the Buddha. It had been translated into Czech. In, uh, in the desert of Israel, well, now I was living with the Bedouins. That is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's my whole life. <laughs> I was in Israel. I had a great opportunity to meet with a bunch of interesting people and had a lot of time to read and uh, try different kinds of meditations. And when I found that Zen is really what I really want to try and that there is a community in Prague, I just got back to Prague. And I went to the address, which was in the book. And there is this, for me, in the time, older lady. She would be younger than I am now. But in the time, she was an older lady. Oh, that's <laughs> funny. <laughs> and so I ring there, right? And I was, I was just this weird-looking guy with, like, really long hair and uh, uh, I don't know what kind of colorful clothes. But I'm sure I had really colorful clothes on me and all of that. Right, and then I was like, I'm coming here to see the Zen Center. And she's like, this is no Zen Center, this is my home. Uh, I'm like, but there was an address that this is the Zen Center. She's like, that, that is the address where we used to practice. This is my home and we used to meet here, but we don't practice here anymore. And I was like, so where is the Zen Center? And she's like, well, we don't have one. And I'm like, what do you mean you don't have one? She's like, well, we don't have the money. I was like, well, I'm going to build you one. 
No. <laughs> right? And, and she, she, she was like, ha, 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 right? And a uh, few years later, we had the first Zen Center in Prague, which I built, not wow. with the money from me, but uh, from uh, uh, the very generous uh, husband of one of our members. Well, because you're a carpenter by training. Yes, and I do pretty much any, anything yeah. on uh, construction. Yeah. And so uh, that's how I started building Zen centers and never stopped. Wow. So what do you think it was about that particular book? Or was it really like you were reading all of these books and, and it just said, there's this place back in Prague was it the serendipity of it being in Prague that brought you back and brought you to the quantum school? Or was there a particular teaching of Desansanim that? No, it was definitely the, te the teachings of Desansanim. I was in that point already in the kind of, like I knew that the Buddhism is something which is close to my heart. Other religions looked interesting, but somehow Buddhism was working better for me. Mm -hmm. And Zen was kind of forming like the form of the Buddhism. And then I, and I was reading the Sansanim. It was just, it was like drinking clear water. It was just what I needed. Mm -hmm. It was so simple, so down to earth. And, you know, I, I come from the atheist background. Mm -hmm. mo most of my countrymen are atheists. Well, a lot of you grew up under communism. Yes, but even like in the communist world, the Czechs uh, were more atheist than uh, average. Oh, interesting. Uh, so it's it's kind of for me less religious style was better, mm -hmm. and the Sansanim really didn't care much for the religious part of uh, Zen. Right. And so that was something which uh, I really liked it. I don't have to learn the sutras. I don't have to really uh, know too much about Buddha and all of that stuff. I just wanted to uh, learn how to practice and how to bring that to the everyday life, which the Zen centers are ideal training space for. Yeah, so you've had this really interesting karma with living in these different so you you built that place or you helped them build that place in the czech republic mm -hmm. and then how long was it until you came to the united states and and moved into the providence Zen center i first went to poland because the first the place i heard about uh that is an actual residential zen center uh was poland right mm. so i'm practicing in this group in prague and uh, they tell me uh, there is this uh, big Zen center in Warsaw, mm. and th th there is a teacher there, and uh, they always need help on on the temple, and so maybe you can go there and uh, help them in exchange for living there, which I tried, and they took me in. <laughs> And they're like, you can do work. <laughs> we'll put you up. Well, that's that's the thing. Like uh, anybody who works uh, with uh, not just let's say spiritual communities, but any uh, volunteer-based communities, uh, 
lots of the volunteers are not necessarily skilled people. They are great people, but they not necessarily know how to do skilled work on a construction specifically. Right. Yes, right? that's true. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I've seen it over and over in the Zen Center. People come, they really want to help, but they really don't know how. Right. right. Yeah. And so when somebody like me appears who is a professional on a construction, uh, you know, like every Zen Center <laughs> wants them. <laughs> right. So, uh, no, Varsau Zen Center was really happy with me and I was, you know, I was glad that they, they took me in. And there I've seen that uh, there is a Kyoche in Providence Zen Center run by Zen Master De Kwang. Oh, yeah. who I really loved. I, I met him only a few weeks after I started practicing. I met him on a retreat in Czech Republic. Oh, wow. Right? So I really wanted to spend longer period of time with him. And so I went to uh, Zen Master Bon Chin. Right. And I said, look, I really uh, would like to sit this Kyoche, but, you know, I don't have the money. Well, I don't actually speak the language. I... I learned Polish so I could communicate uh, with the Polish Sangha, but I didn't speak English in that time. And so I was like, you know, do you think it's possible? And she said, well, I can ask them if they can use you and I can give them recommendation that you are actually a real carpenter. <laughs> and everything is built out of wood over there. So, you know, uh, they may need you. And so I got a scholarship uh, for Kyoche in Providence Zen Center. And I started working on the Zen Center, and they had a list for me, which was for the whole half a year. <laughs> and, and I came back like uh, three, four weeks later. I'm like, so what's next? <laughs> wow. And so when I was leaving from there, besides, you know, learning English in that time and uh, uh, learning how, you know, the Zen Center function, everything, uh, I was like, you know, I would like to come back. Is it possible? They were like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and so we start developing that relationship. I mean, the Providence Zen Center is one of those places that's been skilled professionals there. Oh, yeah. And then not skilled professionals there, all working on the place. And so it's kind of like a wild hodgepodge of... Um, it's an amazing place. It is amazing, yeah. And I went there in the, I mean, every time is great. So my time was great too. I went there when uh, Dekwang Sunim was the guiding teacher. Tim Lurge was the abbot. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jason Quinn uh, was a uh, housemaster. And uh, they were all monks at the time. J yeah. And yeah. Jim, uh, Jim. Uh, yeah, he, yeah, he was also among them. Well, yeah. Was the head, head dharma teacher? Oh yeah, right. And so it was. It was just a great bunch of people, all really dedicated practitioners, and it was really such a great inspiration. And all, all the time, anytime I had a question, I had somebody who had more practice experience uh, than me to talk to to help me. It was just awesome. Right. What a great experience. Yeah. I mean, really, I've been blessed with many things, but uh, this would be definitely on my top list. And, you know, it's, it's something that, 
you know, we talk on this podcast, we talk a lot about Zen training and, um, you know, practice itself, but we don't actually talk a lot about what it's like to live in a community, which is both amazing and quite hard. Like there's, it's all of it's there. Oh yeah, definitely. But it also is one of those experiences that, you know, for whomever's listening, like if you're able to go and live in a Zen center, it's like turning the heat up on your practice in a way that is, it's amazing, I think. Oh, it's absolutely amazing. And it's really like, as you said, it's uh, not always easy. <laughs> and and I, I would even go, it's often not easy than easy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I still remember that's a line that Kwang Sunim used a few times and it really stuck with me. He was saying, your Dharma brothers and sisters are the most important people in your life. Yes. You may not think that right now, but right. they are. Yes. And it really is like that. I had so many different fights with so many people <laughs> uh, in, in the Zen Center. Yeah. But with each of it was uh, something which helped me to grow. Uh, I I would make uh, draw a comparison right right now. I am uh, a vice mayor of our village. Oh really? Yes. Uh, it's not something I'm that happy about, but uh, <laughs> I got I'm I managed to get convinced to run for an office, and I essentially said, "Look, that's how bad it ends with if I enter politics and I won the election." Uh, <laughs> and I really didn't want to be a mayor, so I'm the vice mayor. Wow. But what I see is like when there are arguments uh, within the town hall, uh, kind of everybody is there for themselves. Yeah. Even though they often say, you know, this is for the good of the village. But often they still have some kind of agenda for themselves. Yeah. And that's a huge difference for being in a Zen center. People will argue, but they still want the Zen center to benefit. They still want uh, that we grow as practitioners. Yes. And so even if the bad emotions appear, we can really learn from them and then learn how to put them down and still work together. Yes. Uh, now, some of my best friends are, uh, in Osanga are people I had the most difficult time with. And I'm quite certain if I would encounter them in a normal life, I would just never talk to them. Yeah, you no, know, we, for sure. But we went through some difficult times. We had to work on our relationship. And it has such incredible foundation now. We really know each other. And I think having the language and the framework and the practice of Zen as sort of the vehicle for understanding each other is so helpful because I think outside of a Sangha, you can really get into dualistic thinking so easily, right? Like that person is there that way. But when you're nested within this practice of trying to understand emptiness, trying to understand dependent origination, interbeing, 
you know, you actually are constantly coming up against this idea of actually we're not separate. So here I am fighting with something, somebody who really I'm not separate from. Yeah. You know, one of my, let's say, deep insights <laughs> from a, a, a solar retreat was, you know, like it was really difficult in many ways. And in many ways, it was uh, really wonderful. But I was looking at how sometimes like you get really like depressed and you're going into the, like, you know, what the hell am I doing here? And, and then I'm like, you know, I'm having such a hard time to be with myself. Mm-hmm. And other people have to put up with me. And, and, I, and I was like, you know, I, I have to think anybody who is willing to spend more time with me, right? Because they have to put up with me. Oh my you gosh. know? Yes. And it was really such a big revelation to me that, like, how much I can make people actually suffer and how much uh, it's really uh, incredible work from the side of people around me to have a harmonious uh, relationship. Yes. And of course, we, you know, we learn how to have that within ourselves. And on a solo retreat, that uh, was one of the things which really hit me hard. You know, how much I have an effect on uh, others without really realizing that. Right. Well, it's, I think, you know, one of the the teachings that gets shared a lot in the sanghas is, you know, this person really is a mirror for you. Oh, absolutely. And so, you know, what is the karma that's appearing? And And I think that's, you know, not to, because, you know, not everybody has the opportunity or the time or the, you know, they, the, you know, the opportunity to live in a Zen center. Mm. So I, I don't, you know, practice however you can. But when you live in a Zen center, um, the opportunity to see your karma appear so in your face all the time. Mm-hmm. It's just, well, it's, it's both frustrating <laughs> for your <laughs> practice. <laughs> But, you know, ultimately, hopefully, helpful. Well, that's thing. Like, uh, it, it shows you things which are not necessarily pleasant, mm-hmm. but you have the network around you which helps you to go through it. Right. Right? You have your Dharma brothers and sister. Right. Who really hold you when it's really difficult. And it's, you know, sometimes when I, you know, I talk with people about the three jewels, right? There's the Buddha, the Dharma, mm-hmm. and the Sangha. And the first two, in some ways, are quite similar in the sense, you know, the Buddha is not referring to the human Shakyamuni Buddha, but the, you know, the ultimate reality. And then the Dharma is, you know, the experience of truth or the path that, you know, ho- hopefully helps you experience the ultimate reality. But both of those are somewhat, you know, they're not tangible. In any way, but then you have the sangha, 
which is just this lived experience of people who have committed to, you know, studying the Dharma, being like a, practicing so that you can experience the Buddha or, you know, realize that you're really already experiencing it. But, you know, to have this other jewel, like we always, it's very, I think, very quick people go through it, like Buddha, Dharma, Sangha. Those are the three jewels. Mm-hmm. But the Sangha is such a, well, there's that famous line, right? And who knows, this sort of apocryphal story. I don't know actually where it comes from, but, you know, Ananda is talking to the to the Buddha and he says, um, you know, I think spiritual friendship Sangha is half half the spiritual path. It's so important to the journey. And the Buddha mm. responds, no, <laughs> it's not half the path. It is the whole path. <laughs> like <laughs> the spirit, the Sangha is the entire journey. Yeah. It, and it's really like, I don't know. It, you cannot overstate it how important the Sangha is. Right. And Buddha mentioned that uh, many times that uh, the Sangha is the most important jewel. Right. And it's really, it, it takes time. And as you said, not everybody can live in the Zen center. But if you, you have a chance, try it. I mean, it's really, it's a wonderful experience. And one of the things which I think Quanum is uh, trying, and I assume other communities as well, is to create the Zen centers or these communities so it can be more widely open. Because essentially right now it's mostly for uh, people who don't have a family, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Which makes some sense, and especially uh, coming from the tradition we are coming from. Right. But I think the future is uh, to have also families there. You know, if, if we can uh, come up with the model where you can have families and like uh in, i believe cambridge Zen center has that possibility with the houses around the main house yeah right? i actually live in one of the apartments i don't live in the main yeah in the main temple and and so uh like what we're trying to do here and uh i know providence Zen center also had a few families uh we try to have one of the houses we have two houses uh, here and one of the houses is a smaller house which I want to make into two apartments mm-hmm. which can be used for two families if there are two families who would want to live here. Right. Right. And I really hope that uh, the future is not just the model the way we know it and we experienced it but there will be somehow we would be even more plugged in into the traditional lay society. Right. Yeah, it's sort of almost like when I think of the first wave of Buddhism coming to the West, or the most recent wave anyway, you know, with Mm -hmm. uh, Sung San and Mayazumi Roshi, Suzuki Roshi, you know, they sort of recreated this model of 
uh, residential living, like the LA's and center. Mm-hmm. And they had these big centers, but you're right. I think initially, because they were coming out of a more monastic or priestly tradition, they were sort of more focused, like it appealed to a single person in a way, yeah. right? And perhaps the next stage of the Sangha is, you know, because we don't, you know, we we don't have a large monastic culture in the West and we probably, probably won't happen. Uh, who knows? I hope, I hope it will, but I yeah. don't think we will see it uh, anytime soon. Right. And so thinking about how to have families oriented around, yeah, that's a very interesting model. Huh. Yeah, I uh I'm not saying I know how to do it. Right. Yeah, far yeah. far from it, but that's one of the kind of intentions I have. At the at the to, where you live now in Rajna. Yeah, but in general for us as a school to think that way. Uh-huh. Yeah, because I'm I'm not the only one who thinks that way. Uh, and the thing for me is that I actually have the play space to try things, <laughs> right? Yes. Right? Uh, that's the kind of advantage of not being really fully established Zen Center when you're really just trying things. And as long as it doesn't make any big problem, you can keep trying them. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we we are still looking into what, what is the, our image? How we would function? And one of the things which we really try, and I think it's working, to be really part of our village life. You know, we try to be on every public event when uh, when we have uh, some work which needs to be done in the village. I bring the halls and center. Uh, we're just really trying to be part of the community around us which i think is also really important that we are not plucked out but we are plucked into our surrounding fully you know that's so fascinating just in the sense of i think a lot of people think of zen centers as you know refuges from everyday life Mm -hmm. and you're trying to create a refuge that fully within it like integrated with it yeah and in in many ways that's how the temples operated right in in the past at, at least in sometimes right you know they they like you cannot imagine a temple to function uh without the support of the lay community around them and in all days it wasn't uh somebody uh thousand miles away from you having uh, some extra money sending it to you through PayPal, right? Right. It, it was somebody who lives near you who would help you. And there was an, always some kind of uh, exchange, right? Like we do in the regular human society. We help each other. And of course, the, the job of the monks and priests is uh, to do spiritual part, but they also had fields. Uh, they would have tools, they would need tools from the people around them, and uh, the people around them need their help on the fields, and so on. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sit, Breathe, Bow. 
I hope you found the conversation with Jiri Haselbauer, Jiri Pope's name, encouraging and helpful for your practice. You can find out more by visiting the website for the Vrajna Zen Center at vrajnazen.org. That's V-R-A-Z-N-E-Zen.org. Or the quantumzen.cz, which will have links to all of the sanghas in the Czech Republic. I'll include links for both of those sites in the show notes. A special thanks to our sponsor, the Quantum Online Sangha. Listeners of Sit, Breathe, Bow are invited to try a free month of training with the Online Sangha. To access your free month, simply visit quantumzenonline.org and click on the free trial membership button on the homepage. And please consider leaving a review of this podcast, subscribing to it. It helps introduce us to new listeners. I'm your host, Ian White-Marr, and I hope you'll join me again next week. <laughs>